Okay, before we start, a new word today, balkanization. Who knows what it means? Tartan knows. Balkanization, Dan? Okay, all right. Y'all want to come? No. Balkanization, it's a word that was created or back in the early, about 100 years ago, okay? And it arose out of the the political situation or the situation, not political, but the situation, the actual situation that was happening in Eastern Europe, Southeastern Europe, when um, it began to be separated into different states after the, the Ottoman Empire pulled out, after the Turks pulled out, okay? And that's the Balkans over there, Albania, Macedonia, Montenegro, Croatia, Serbia, uh, Slovenia, and these states, these small states, do not like each other, and they are enemies with each other, okay? So balkanization is the division of a bigger thing into smaller groups that are in, in, in enmity, that are against each other, okay? Uh, a good example is northern Macedonia. For, Today it's called Northern Macedonia. That country is about three-fourths Slavic, okay, and about one-fourth Albanian as far as ethnicity is concerned. So you have part of the country is pure Albanian, and the other part is Slavic in their ethnicity. They're Macedonian. They do not like each other. Not one bit. The Slavs are Christian. They're Orthodox Christian. The Albanians are Muslim. All right? But the biggest issue is you have the Slavs and the Albanians. They just don't like each other. And the result is, as far as the church in northern Macedonia is concerned, is that the, the, the Slavic church, the Macedonian church, will not go 20 miles that way and take the gospel to the Albanians. They won't, they won't do it. In fact, in the capital city of, of Skopje, there's a river there. The Albanians live on one side of the river. The rest of the, the Slavs live over on the other side. They do not, they won't take the gospel over there. So to get the gospel to these 300, 400,000 Albanians, somebody else has to go because they won't go, right? And if an Albanian... Macedonian was to trust Christ for sure they would not go to a Slavic Macedonian church okay so that country of northern Macedonia is balkanized within itself there is a division ethnically inside that country and they do not like each other there is a split and people are just kind of at war with each other and it's carried over into their church okay the Macedonian church and so in today's passage Ephesians 3 1 through 13 Paul addresses without using the word he addresses this issue of balkanization now the church in Ephesus was balkanized in a way you had the Jews and you had the Gentiles right and there was conflict between the two, just like we've been talking about in Galatia. You know, Galatia's over by Ankara, back over close to eastern Turkey. Ephesus is as far west as you can go in Turkey. The same 
general problem, conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, in Ephesus, it was a tad different, I think. In Galatia, the issue was the, the Gentiles were willing to be circumcised and to obey the law to be accepted, right? And Paul was telling them, don't do that, right? You're accepted because of your faith in Jesus Christ, Stick with that. In Ephesus, I think the issue more was the Gentiles that said, phooey on you. We're not, you know, we don't care anything about you, right? I don't, you know, I could use some words that aren't appropriate from a pulpit or what they were telling them. So you had this conflict the other way, right? We don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what Charles' problem is, right? We're not doing that and phooey on you. But there still was conflict in the church. And Paul writes in Galatians 5.15, Dean talked about it the last time he he talked. It says, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Balkanization is an extremely dangerous thing inside of a church, inside of a country, but inside of a church. And Paul is taking a lot of effort to encourage not only the Galatian church, but the Ephesian church, deal with this conflict, this divide, this balkanization inside of your church. And that's what this passage speaks to. And so um, we're, it's important for us right now. We've got a lot going on. There's a lot of stress in Creekside right now. Honestly, if we're honest with each other, we've got to make sure we hang together. We do. We can't have any kind of divide right now. We can disagree on, you know, some things, but we have to be together, okay? Even though, like, you can be disagree and still be together, but we, it's important for us right now. Uh, so three things. The first is God's surprising solution to balkanization, okay, to disunity, to a divide in the church. He's got a solution. The second thing is why a fully united church is important, a non-balkanized church is important, and then maybe some application. And I'll try not to use the word balkanized too much, okay? But, okay, got solution to balkanization, why non-Balkanization in the church is so important, and then how it applies to them and to, to us. So let's look at this. Paul says he starts off, if you've got your U-verse or your Bible open, I'm reading from the, uh, we're using the English Standard Version, the ESV. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of, of you Gentiles, and then he says, okay, wait, I'm going to talk about a little, we're going to give a little story here, because what I don't want you to do is to be discouraged. If you look at verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart. So for this reason, do not lose heart. Paul was in prison. The Jew, he, the, he had been preaching that the Gentiles could come to faith, to the family of God. They didn't need to be circumcised, and the Jews were persecuting him, right? He was in jail. 
just because of his message of faith in Jesus Christ. And some Jews in Jerusalem set him up, okay? They, they got him in court. He was convicted in Jerusalem. Now he was in Rome on appeal. He had traveled all the way to appeal, and he got put in prison in Rome for a couple of years. And so he wrote these folks, listen, I'm in prison because of the gospel that I've been preaching to you. So don't lose heart over my sufferings because I'm going to, he says, I'm going to explain to you, but I can understand, you know, you may think that, hey, this gospel, something's wrong with it or it's not worth it. Paul says, don't lose heart. And he says, therefore, and the therefore, he's just said that God is building, he's taken the Jews and the Gentiles together and he's along with the prophets and the, the apostles, and on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the church is being built into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool, right? That the church, we, Creekside Church, together with the other churches around, we are a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So we better be non-Balkanized, right? And it's important stuff. And Paul says, don't lose heart because of my suffering, okay? It, what you're doing, what God's doing in you is significantly important. So then he says, okay, a little aside, parentheses, right? Assuming, okay, or since I know, you know, that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Paul, God had, had entrusted to Paul the message of grace to the Gentiles, right? They knew, hey, we're supposed to go to the Gentiles. God's commissioned me to go to you with the message of grace. And with Paul being in prison, they may say, well, maybe Paul had it wrong. Paul's saying, no, you've heard of that. It's true. I was given the responsibility to take the gospel to you. And he says, and how the mystery, I've told you how the mystery was made known to me, my revelation, as I have written briefly. And when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, um, as it's now been revealed to the Holy apostles and prophets. Jesus came to Paul, right? He appeared to Paul. He, in Acts, it said, he said, listen, I've appeared to you for this purpose, Paul, to appoint you as a witness to the things which you've seen, the revelation that, you know, that I'm going to give you when I appear to you, and I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul was commissioned to take grace to the Gentiles, and he came to Paul in a revelation. And one of the key words here is mystery. And it's important for us to understand what that means, okay? He says it was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, but now has been revealed 
to the apostles and the prophets. And to me, it's a truth that is so surprising, okay, that we can't understand it without revelation. We watch a mystery series on TV. You know, Ann and I start saying, hey, I think that person did it, that person did it, that person, that, that, that person did it. And in the end, somebody did it that you, we never even thought of. Right? The dog did it, something like that. And that's what a mystery, that's what Paul's talking about. It is so surprising you would not think of it without revelation. But God has revealed it. All right? and then he says, and the mystery is that the Gentiles, verse 6, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the mystery is not so much that Gentiles are being brought close to God, being brought in a a relationship with God. That should have been known by the Jewish people, by people at that time. Genesis 12.3, in you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Psalm 67.2, God's salvation will be known on all the earth. Isaiah, the earth will be full with the glory of God, and Gentiles will seek to be under the kingship of Messiah. You know, in Isaiah 25, the Lord's going to remove death from all peoples over all the earth, over all nations forever. That's what he he says. In Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, right? From the rising of... Of the, to the setting of the sun, the Lord will be great among the nations. That, and in every place, incense will be offered to his name. The Jew should have known, right, that Gentiles were going to be brought in. But what they didn't know is how it was going to happen. And that's the mystery And Paul says it is through the gospel, right? Through faith, through grace, by faith in Jesus Christ. Like, wow. We thought you were going to have to, Gentiles were going to start obeying the law. No, no, it's by faith. We thought they were going to make a treaty with each other, right? We were going to get together and negotiate and sign a document. And then, you know, we would all be in the same religion. No. By faith, like, whoa. I didn't know that. I would have never thought that. In the Messiah. And our king is going to die for them so that they might have life. No way is that going to happen. Yeah, that's how it's going to happen. Um. So, grace. Grace is the mystery, right? That they are brought in, made full participants, full inheritors, because or through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, grace, so mystery is a key word for us to understand that. Grace is another key word here. Paul says in verse 7, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the Spirit 
excuse me, according to the gift of God's grace. God gave grace to me, right? It was freely given to me. I didn't earn it. I didn't go to school. I didn't get a diploma for it. It was a gift to me, grace, right? Which was given to me through the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. A lot of times we think, you know, that person deserves grace, right? Grace, salvation is given to sinners. It makes, it doesn't matter. You know, read Ephesians 2, all right? We were children of wrath before, walked according to the powers of this age, the powers of darkness, but God sent Jesus to die for us. Even when we were against him, even when we were enemies of God, Jesus died for us. And he died for the sins of the world, right? 1 John 2.2, 2, he's a propitiation for the sins of the world. 1 Timothy 2.4, God doesn't want, he wants, he does want everyone to come to repentance and he has made a way through faith because of his gracious act of giving his son Jesus Christ to pay for our sins um, Paul says you know this thing was given to me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ the unfathomable the surprising, you couldn't figure it out. And you know what's so cool about grace? It's not just that we're saved from our sins, that we're made a full inheritor, right? An example I like you, we, get, we got freed from prison, right? You know, the doors got open, I walked outside and I stood there, and I'm like, now what? That was grace, because I didn't deserve it. I was a criminal, and I trusted, and I got freed from prison. And it's like this car all of a sudden pulls up, and this guy says, hop in, Alan, and he takes me to a mansion, you know, with a swimming pool, with azaleas all over the place, right? He does good things for me. He doesn't just release me into prison, from prison. He blesses me beyond ways that I, can, I can't even imagine. That's grace. That's, that's crazy. It's crazy to think about it, right? It's not just like, hey, you're forgiven. Hey, you're forgiven, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do all I can to bless you. We don't typically operate that way. You know, we might say, Okay, this guy, you know, he, he talked bad about me, right? I've forgiven him. I'm not going to hold that against him, but I'm not going to drink coffee with him. You know, I'm not going to go mow his grass. You know, that's his problem, right? He drew a line between me and him. I've forgiven him, but I ain't crossing that line over there, right? Grace isn't that way. Grace is not that way. God, even though we were against him, because of what Jesus did and our faith in that, we're released from sin and we're blessed. That's grace. Uh, you know, the idea that um, living a good life, uh, that, 
that we're saved by living a good life, that kind of makes sense. If you ask almost anybody in the world how you're saved, you know, if they believe there's a God, they're going to say by doing good works. That's logical, right? But um, the truth is that being saved by the truth that we are saved by grace is foolishness. It's a mystery. You know, Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians that the cross, you know, is an offense to, a, or I don't know which one. I'm sorry, offense to the Greek and foolishness to the Jew, or vice versa. But it was an offense, and it was foolishness. It does not make sense. But God has brought us not only the Gentiles, but the Jews, into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. And we experience forgiveness of sins, and we experience blessing. You know, the gospel of salvation is uh, a counterintuitive, astounding wonder. And, you know, it's helpful for us to think about that. I'm not sure I can adequately explain it or, or incite your heart, but to think about what God has done for me, what he's doing for me, it's a wonder and it's astounding. And, you know, the, the question is, do I sense it? Is it really a wonder to me or is it just a theological proposition? Uh, this has been challenging for me this week to think about ways that I've not been showing grace to some people. Uh, that maybe I don't fully appreciate the fact that it's not just the, the forgiveness, it's the blessing also. And it's the antidote to balkanization. And balkanization, division in the church, is, is su unity is super important, super important. And am I doing my part to, to be unified in the body of Christ? So why is it important? Why, why should Paul be so concerned about it? And that's what we see going on in verse 8. He says, not only was I, I mean, I was commissioned to take the gospel to the Gentiles to help explain this mystery to both Gentiles and Jews that, hey, people that are not Jews are part of the family of God. They're fellow heirs. What does he say in verse uh, 6? Partakers of the promise. Jesus, uh, members of the same body. But he was also to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages of God. God's plan is that this is, it, that the Gentiles, it's been part of his plan since day one for the ages that Jews and Gentiles, that the whole world, all nations will be unified, non-Balkanized by faith in Jesus Christ. It goes to Everyone, and God had a plan. He has a plan. He still has a plan. And Paul was commissioned uh, 
to do it. You know, and we need to... Paul made disciples who made disciples, right? So he made a self-replicating product that continues, right? And so we here at Creekside Bible Church are a self-replicating product of what Paul started 2,000 years ago. Does that make sense? It's pretty cool that he made something that continues to and it's been going, right? Um, Paul was originally called. I think we, we are part of that plan also, right? So that, so Paul has, was commissioned by God. God had a plan from the ages. It's finally been revealed. Now Paul is commissioned to go start it. And why? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is revealed to angels, demons, people, powers, principality, powers. So there's a good chance that there's an angel somewhere up there that's watching what goes on here. And what we do is revealing something about what we believe about God to that angel, right? And not just today, but as we live out our life. Manifold wisdom of God. This is a cool word. I love this word. This may be my most favorite phrase in the whole uh, scripture after Christ died for me and I can have life through believing in him, okay? Manifold means many varieties, right? It was used, the word was used to translate the coat of many colors. Uh, we translated the coat of many colors. That may be a, not a great translation that Joseph, remember that uh, Jacob made for Joseph, but it many varieties. And so God is holds all things together and he causes all things to work in harmony together. All right? He's got the wisdom that he can all of these all these moving objects he can cause to work together for the creation of his plan. He is an amazing process engineer. I'm sorry to say. I was a civil. I wished I had been more of a process engineer. Those guys are crazy, right? They can just make all these things work. Temperature, flow, pressure, all this. And then this product comes out, all these moving parts. And, you know, doing a natural gas processing plant is nothing compared to keeping the world together, right? Haley's Comet comes back in every, what, 80-something years? How does that happen? How does it happen? Right? Uh, his manifold wisdom. And it, it appears in the church when we have 
Jews and Gentiles. We have, we have Palestinians and Israelis. We have Russians and Ukrainians. We have Chinese and Taiwanese together, non-Balkanized, loving each other, showing grace to each other. And when they see that, the angels go, wow, that all happened because of Jesus. That is so cool. I've never seen anything like this before. They, that's what they're seeing, saying, right? I think. I don't know what they're saying. Uh, but I bet it's something close to that. Um, you know, the church should be a multi-ethnic community of people, Jews and Gentiles, Latinos and non-Latinos, right? Russians and Ukrainians, together who through their common faith in Jesus Christ are vitally connected to one another. We just don't tolerate one another. We're vitally connected to one another. And this connection is without regard to ethnicity, gender, race, uh, we accept one another just like we're accepted in Jesus Christ. I promise you, if there was a church in Macedonia full of Macedonians and Albanians worshiping together, it would be the people would look and say, this, this, this should not be happening. I, I don't understand this at all. And like, wow, why is this happening? Because of the wonder of grace. You know, in the triune God, three people, there is not one single iota of balkanization in the Trinity. There's not. They do not compete with each other, right? They serve the same purpose, their roles, they're happy with their roles, they honor each other as they're doing their roles. If I'm not doing your role, I still honor you. If you're doing your role, you honor me. It's just the way it works in the Trinity. And when the church is composed of Jews and Gentiles that are vitally connected to each other, it gives testimony to the character of God. And that connection comes through faith in Jesus Christ, not through keeping the law, not through being cool, right? Not through being hip, not through doing things that I want you to do. It comes because of what Jesus did, the grace that he showed to us. And then Paul says, this is according to... This is verse 11, the eternal purpose that he realized in Jesus Christ our Lord. That the church being built together on the foundations of the prophets and the apostles upon whom Jesus is the cornerstone, that church different ethnicities, vitally connected to each other, giving testimony to the angels, principalities and powers in heavenly places, is according to the eternal purpose of God. And this excites me. Maybe I'm not, you don't think I'm excited, but it excites me. I love purpose. 
I'm very, I like to live with purpose. I just, you know, what am I going to do today, right? I need a purpose. And God's given us a purpose. We, <laughs> we are connected to this purpose. What we're doing, we have a word in Albanian, useless, coat. It means it's useless. It's not coat. Our meeting here today is not without purpose. It is. What we do, loving each other, caring for each other, taking the gospel out, whatever we do, it's not useless. It's tied to a purpose that is more significantly than we can ever imagine. So don't lose heart, Paul says. Don't lose heart that I'm in prison because that's what I've been because of, I've been implementing the plan that was given to me. Because it's bigger than all of us. So, what does grace mean to me? That would be the application. Do I, Alan Bryant, do I really understand grace? Do I wonder at it? Do I have awe? Does grace make me like, wow, this is pretty cool. And I don't know how to gin that up. I really don't. But to think about what Jesus did for me, and I don't deserve it. I'm telling you, I don't deserve it. Ann knows I don't, right? Uh, but God brought me in, even though I was who I was. Even though I am who I am, he still loves me. You know, and Sherry right now, she's seeing the other side of it. And I bet, my, I'm just 100% sure, if she could telegraph back, she would say, people, you can't even imagine how cool this is. Right? You can't imagine. So tell the world. Tell the world. And grace is an antidote to balkanization. I've used that word too much. Okay? Um... If I, with a spirit-filled heart, okay, with absolutely no, absolutely no selfish motive, completely unselfishly, were to consistently show you Jesus-like grace, does that make sense? With no ulterior motive, right? Letting the Spirit guide me that lives in my heart. The Spirit guides me, and I'm not selfish. I have no ulterior motive. If I was day after day, minute after minute, to show you Jesus-type grace, and then you were to do the same thing back to me, there would be no division. Think about that. If I was to show you grace, Jesus-type grace, led by the Holy Spirit every second of the day, and then you showed it back to me, there would be no division. We might make each other mad from time to time. We might step on each other's toes, but there's immediate forgiveness with a pure heart, and there's immediate acceptance of it, and not a grudge, right? If Israel was to turn to Jesus and was to, from a spirit-filled heart, 
with no unselfish motive, completely unselfishly, right, was to consistently show Jesus-like grace to Palestine. And the Palestinians were to come to Christ and do the exact same thing. There would be no problem over there. The Russians and the Ukrainians, there would be no problem. So when on Miss America stage, you know, my goal, my dream is world peace. World peace. We, don't, we think it's going to come from a treaty. We think we can get six or seven nations together and the UN involved and make some kind of treaty about how we do the government and all that, and we can put it in place over there and invite the people from the West Bank together, and we're all going to sit down, and this is all going to work out? I don't think so. It might be better, but it's not going to work out. There's one solution, and that's Jesus. They've got to turn to Jesus, and then they've got to show Jesus-like grace with no unselfish motive every day to each other. That's the picture of the church. So what's the application besides world peace, right? And being grace givers, true grace givers. Uh, Paul says don't be discouraged at what may seem to be difficulties in this mission. Uh, God is at work, right? And he's bringing in the nations to display his grace. And in a way that, you know, that's, that speaks to the people in Galatia. You know, you guys need to get over this circumcision deal, right? Because you got, we got this big picture thing going on, and this is just a distraction. We're trying to get ready to go on a, a mission, and Alan, you're still trying to turn the water off. Let's go, right? Don't be distracted by this stuff that's not important. Because God's done what's important. Um, don't be discouraged if I'm in prison. Don't be discouraged if this building has to sell. You know, don't be discouraged if we don't like the solution. All right? Uh, we still are on a mission. We are, and I'm on a mission individually. Ann and I are on a mission together with our kids as a family. We're on a mission together, all right? Um, it doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be that we all meet together. It could be we meet with somebody else, but we are on a mission um, to, be, to take grace and to show grace. And I think that's what uh, Paul would say. Grace, 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 grace. And we start to chant grace, grace. We know what it is. And we show it. And bigger picture, right? Bigger picture, bigger picture. Because what God's doing in the church, and we're a sub-part of that, is in accordance with his eternal purpose, which is the uniting of people, regardless of their nationality, gender, ethnicity. All right. 
but uniting because of our common faith in Jesus Christ. We, we embrace his grace in us, and then we show it to other people. Okay? I love this passage. Uh, I hope I've communicated it well enough. Remember it's there. Go back and read it, okay? Think about it. A lot of people just skip it because it's kind of in the parentheses right here. But I think Paul's got some great stuff. So, all right, let's remember. I'll pray for us and close. Let's remember to keep praying for um, the Darby family and the Wood family. Um, tomorrow's going to be a... a long day for them uh, but it'll be I think it'll be a good day let's just keep praying for them and then praying for us as we are as a church go through what's going to happen and don't forget Tartan mentioned two weeks from today we'll have a meet the elder meeting not next week but two weeks from today and we'll get together and get to talk about all sorts of stuff okay all right let me pray Lord God thanks for bringing us in thanks for making us a part of your family, that we're fellow inheritors, we're members of the body of, of, of the church, the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you that you showed us grace in spite of ourselves. Uh, and we praise you as you're showing grace upon grace to so many people in so many places. Uh, without limit of geography, Father, we praise you for that. And we just ask that you would help us, that you would work in our hearts to, to fully wonder, to be awestruck at your grace, and that it would impact us in ways that we can give it together. Lord, we, we need your help, and we ask for it, that your spirit would just really teach us. And Father, we continue to pray for uh, Dean and Kelly and Glenn and all involved, Father, that they would just be covered with your grace over these next few days. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Morning at Creekside Church in Spring, Texas. We're glad you joined us. For more information, please check out our website at www.mycreeksidechurch.org.